Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You may be seated. Uh, as it's already been stated, there are some faces here I don't recognize, and so uh, I'll introduce myself. I'm Bishop, Bishop Chester Wright, and the lady that's playing the organ behind me is my wife, and... Uh, 20, 47 years ago, um, we came here to start this church. There was no one of our faith living anywhere in this area, and uh, so we've been here a while. And as also has already been stated, this is our time of gathering because um, Mega church is not the biblical pattern. There are no 300 pound spiritual amoebas. That's a single cell animal. The church is not intended to become a 300 pound amoeba. Where you, you need a projection thing just to recognize the face of the person speaking to you so rather than multiply in one location we're multiplying locations praise God and for those of you that think this is a new idea this has been the revelation to this church that's been taught here since 1982. Well, I haven't heard of it before. Then you're not paying attention. What's happened these last two years is not new. We've been planning and preparing for this for 35 years. Praise God. And we are in another season of transition. And um, it is not a transition at Antioch. It's a transition that is taking place in the body of Christ throughout the world. It's not that everybody is doing the same thing. It's that everybody is making the necessary adjustments to get closer and closer to the biblical pattern. There are spiritual egotists in Christianity today who think that the book of Acts is so simplistic and basic uh, that we're not supposed to be like that today or to live like that or whatever. So... The church that Jesus purposely and personally founded is too basic for us today. Or maybe we're too full of ourselves to really see how true that fits today. I've heard, you've heard me say this, most of you have. I'm looking for it. If you find it, please let me know. It, I think it was one of the news 
networks or news magazine. I don't remember. I read it online. But someone did a survey within the last uh, year and asked Americans, if there is a God, are you interested in learning more about him? Over 80% of all Americans said yes. I would like to learn about God if there is one. The second question was, are you interested in participating in a church? And the response was less than 20% that was interested in participating in a church. Now, we can stick our religiously proud traditionalist bony finger at them fa- their faces and condemn them to hell because they don't fit our tradition. Well, we don't fit the Bible. Because if we fit the Bible, that 60% would find someone who's prepared to reach them. I uh, was standing here and looking at faces across this audience, and uh, I have pastored probably at least half of this people since I have not been the pastor here. December, this December will be 12 years. Uh, so I've pastored at least half this people. And I've been the bishop of probably another 30% of you. And I look across this congregation and I see so many people that have the ability to give spiritually but religious tradition discourages that it makes us spiritually passive we come and sit and receive and that's how we define our Christianity That's not how the Bible defines Christianity. And the sad thing is, anytime you try to get closer to the Bible, you lose people you love because they're not willing to make that trip. Because they're comfortable in their religious tradition. And they don't want anybody messing with that. Well, I've been called to mess with that. That's my calling. And I don't mess around messing with it. If you need an interpreter, that's the kind of language I learned from my mom and dad. My dad was in the Navy. We lived everywhere, all over this country, north, south, east, west, uh, and in the middle in my first 18 years. So I didn't learn how to talk like the people we lived around. I learned to talk like them. And I don't think you need me to point out where they talk like messing with stuff. Okay? I have a better vocabulary. I just like that. Because it says it just like I feel it. Praise God. So we are in a time of transition. I'm going to mess with you 
so that you can't hear what I'm about to say. Because some of you will be so frustrated with another change that you will turn your mind and spirit off. And that's not on me, that's on you. So praise God. We are in a time of transition and change. And 2018 will be the most soul-focused year in the history of Antioch. And because of that, with our three separate congregations, they're not churches, they are congregations of one church, uh, Sunday night becomes a very important time for the consistency of their efforts. Um, I'm going to steal your testimony, okay? Yours. Uh, I don't know how many ethnic groups we have here tonight. There were 25 present in Central this morning. And Antioch North in Baltimore today had our first, to my knowledge, our first three Vietnamese get baptized. And one of them received the Holy Ghost. And we are thrilled with that. Amen. The book says, whosoever will, let him come. This is the Lord's body, and he decides who's a part of it. It's not our church, and we pick and choose who we want to fellowship with. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thrilled with that, and I am expecting. My faith says, this is not pressure on Antioch North, but my faith says that we're going to have a uh, strong group of Vietnamese in just a short amount of time here. I believe that. I believe it. Hallelujah. The only biblical basis for dividing the church into separate cultures is the basis of language. Not educational background, not money in the bank, not skin color. And when you divide the body up over any other basis other than language, you just stepped out of the will of God. There is no white church that pleases God. There is no black church that pleases God. Now, since there's so many first-generation Hispanics, it is important to have a Hispanic church where people can be ministered their, their language. But there's a lot of folks sitting here tonight that doesn't need an 
interpreter. And once language doesn't become the issue, then you work in that culture to evangelize and you fellowship with the body. I'm not preaching yet. I'm not preaching. I really am not preaching yet. This is not tonight's, well, it's kind of tonight's message, but not really. Um, so, there will be a n- normal, if you consider something started just a year and four months ago, the norm, there will be two more Antioch Uniteds this year, one in November, one in December, on Sunday night with leadership on Saturday morning at 9.30. Uh, because of the importance of Sunday night service or Sunday night ministerial efforts by each of our congregations, starting for the 1st of January, there will no longer be any more Antioch Uniteds on Sunday nights. And uh, because of my travel schedule, whatever this thing is that the Lord is doing in and through me these days, I'm already scheduled out of uh, town, mostly out of the country, about five months next year. And Antioch United is supposed to be my service, and uh, I've only preached three out of nine of them this year. And so beginning next year, if I'm not in town, there won't be one. And there are already five scheduled that I've got peace with, and this is the way we're going to do it. Leadership will start at this point, unless there's a change, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I will teach leadership from 2 until 3.30, we will have Antioch United at 4 in the afternoon on Saturday. That's only five times next year. Five times. We didn't want to take up a Saturday evening, and we wanted to leave Sundays free for the congregations and their ministerial activities. And some of them now have ministerial efforts on Saturday night. One of these days, we're going to finally get to the Book of Acts Church and have some kind of ministerial effort every day of the week. Now, I didn't say you will be involved every day of the week, but the body, the body needs to have something it's doing, not turned inward, but turned outward every day of the week. Otherwise, how can the Lord add to the church daily? So if somebody wants to get saved, we say, well, you'll have to come to church next Sunday. Let's just pray they don't die between now and Sunday. So they fit into our traditional religiosity. Or one of my favorite words, we have, we have far, more, many, far more people practicing churchianity than practicing Christianity. They are not the same. They're not even remotely close to being the same. I believe in the body of Christ gathering. It is the will of God. And the word church in the Greek, uh, in this context, uh, 
ecclesia, which is probably a poor pronunciation, but it's the best I can do for right now. Uh, it means literally the assembly of the called out ones. It is not the assembly for calling those out to come in. Oh, glory to God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, amen. Because if that's the purpose, we're not doing too well at that. Praise God. So, uh, that's what next year will be. The first one will not be till near the end of February. So, we will get you information on that. The Executive Council is still in prayer about the details of this. And we will let you know as soon as it is uh, finalized. Now, the bottom line is... Uh, The Saturday services will be leadership and those involved in ministry will be expected. Brother Shelton says you need to learn to speak bishop. So if you have the gift of interpretation, you just interpreted that tongue. Leadership will be expected, but the services will be open to everybody. Anybody that wants to come can come. Uh, praise God. Five times a year. Five. That's a great imposition on our schedules, isn't it? No. And I think you will see that as we move toward the new year and into the new year, and you begin to see what God is doing, you'll see how absolutely necessary this is. This adjustment. That's my faith. So, the Lord has been talking to me for a couple of weeks now uh, on a particular direction, subject. Some of the verses I will use tonight you will have heard many times before. But I, he gave me a different perspective on this. I was... Uh, I was in California ministering for about nine days, and we got back Wednesday night, and I was uh, I was up early uh, praying, and as I was praying, the Lord pointed me toward Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. Now I've read those. I've studied them, especially chapter 10. It's the chapter that talks about how faith operates and um, how to minister in faith. And um, I really got to reading chapters 9. Well, I started near the end of chapter 8 and read 9, 10, 11, and the beginning of, verse, of chapter 12. And I read slowly and carefully, and I checked words and what they meant and I checked different translations on verses as I was reading through that and I have to tell you how deeply challenged I am by that Jesus was entering into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey just days before his crucifixion and uh, 
the multitude was, um, they were throwing their coats down on the roads, on, on the roads so that the, the uh, donkey could walk on their coats. And they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And the religious leaders of that day said to Jesus, tell them to stop. Because, of course, the word Hosanna is such a holy word in the Old Testament that you don't say that to a man. And Jesus made this statement. If they stop their mouths, the rocks will replace them. The rocks will cry out. And I, somebody wrote a song, and we've said this all along, kind of, you know, just kind of as a challenge. There's no rock going to take my place. I'm going to praise God. There's no rock going to take my place. But in, I'm preaching now, even though I haven't read a verse. Just wanted you to know. Okay. In Romans chapter 9, 10, 11, Paul, who was a Jew by birth and pedigree, and training. Uh, he's talking about this transition from Old to New Testament, the effect that that had upon Israel, and where it puts Israel now. And he's saying to the Gentiles, don't allow yourself to become judgmental of the Jews because blindness in part has happened to them. Because God has sworn with an oath to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And in the end, he's going to save Israel. Well, that's just like the church, you see. He didn't say said he's going to save every Jew. He said he's going to save Israel. Who makes up Israel on that day when that time comes is another issue. But he's going to fulfill his word by saving Israel. And the church is predestined to be saved. The church. I didn't say any denomination. Put no name on that because he didn't put a name on it. The church, the body of Christ, cannot be lost. It is predestinated before the foundation of the world to be saved. Now who's in that body is a different story. That's a different story. And Paul said in so many words, and, and I, I'd, I'd love to teach to you. It's only about three and a half hour, three and a half chapters. I could do that easily before daylight. But since uh, I don't have the liberty to do that, I'm going to... Uh, I'm paraphrasing, not paraphrasing, but just summarizing for you. So, the Lord said that he sent preachers to Israel. One of those main preachers was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In fact, the scripture says this. In Matthew chapter 10, I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. These 12, ah, I caught you by surprise, didn't I? You awake? Okay. All right. Good job. All right. These 12 
the twelve disciples uh, who became apostles, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not here, but it's not far off. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Now I have people say to me, well, I don't have a gifting to be a soul winner. I don't have a gifting to be a witness. And I totally agree with them. Because to be a soul winner or a witness, you have to receive something. And I agree, if you've received nothing, you are totally excused from being a soul winner or a witness. If you've received nothing, of course the slight problem is this, if you've received nothing, you're not saved. Because all the Lord expects us to do is to freely give what we have freely received. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't qualify for it. We simply believed He told us that. Believed what He said. Faith was created by us hearing what He what was said to us about what He's done for us. And that enabled us to receive what He was giving. We didn't earn it. We didn't work for it. We didn't deserve it. We believed and obeyed God because obedience is the demonstration you have faith. Read the book of James. So, that being the case, he said there, he sent them out to do that. One more time, I'll read another place. The woman, all of you have heard the story, probably, of the woman with the uh, daughter that was grievously vexed of the devil and Jesus wouldn't even talk to her. Matthew 20, 15, verse 21. Matthew fifteen twenty one. Then Jesus went thence and departed the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and she was a Gentile. Okay, get that point. And cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. It just bothers me when preachers say something offensive. Yeah, because you don't have faith to hear anything. Uh, I haven't called anybody a dog here today. Jesus called her a dog. He said, this is the this is the meat that belongs to the children, and you don't give the children's meat to dogs. And she didn't get all huffy and pop uh, popped off him. Well, I don't know who you think you are. 
I'll tell you who she knew he was. He was the one and the only one that could help her. It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it at dogs. And she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, Woe, woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. The point of, of this again is that three and a half year period. Hello? That three and a half year period of time that Jesus ministered. The focus of that ministry was not on the house of Israel that was lost at that point. But the prophesied covenant that was coming was going to change everything. And you, you did, you weren't, it wasn't an A or B choice question test. It was either or. But when he said, that one is now old and here's the new one. Those who cling to the old, when he changes it to the new, go from being saved to lost. They weren't lost when he and the disciples were preaching to them. They were going to be lost when the covenant changed at 6 a.m. on the day of Pentecost, as recorded in Acts chapter 2. <laughs> Woo. I see there's some folks here that think more with your emotions than you do with your spirit and your mind. I don't like that. I could care less whether you like it. I didn't write it. I don't mean that unkindly. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. Well, I don't agree with it. Then you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with the book. I'm not trying to be unkind or rude here. I'm just telling you exactly like it is. Because you and I are going to decide which side of the change that's coming we're on. You and I are going to decide whether we want tradition or apostolic faith. We're going to decide that. Somebody said to me the other day, well, I need to look at that again and decide for myself. You just enjoy yourself looking and deciding for yourself. Because I decided this in 1982. And since I'm the bishop here, your decision of whether or not you're going to be a part of it is only going to affect you. Because the bottom line is this. <laughs> Religious tradition wanted those people to keep their mouths shut. Because it wasn't the professional religionists that were out there casting their coats on the road and crying, 
Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. It was people who believed his word and recognized that he was the one that had come. I'm very well aware that no matter how hard I'm trying tonight, there is just a little bit of edge here. But do not misinterpret what that edge means. That edge is a desperation. That edge is a desperation that I don't want to see anybody left out. I am desperate for you not to be left out. And I would rather offend you because I said it plain enough than for you to wondering, leave your thinking, well, you know, I think it's going to be okay Those that want this can have this, and those that don't want this, they can do what they always have done. I read a quote within the last year or so, and the man said this, Sometimes the price of not changing is greater than the price of any change. That the situation requires. Sometimes the price of not changing is greater than the price that you think you would pay by changing. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. But the book also says this. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We don't fix it to the overhead because this is where we are and this is where we're staying. Our relationship with God is not static. It is a process. It is a walk with God. In a few weeks, it will be 49 years for us. I pray that I have made some progress as a husband in 49 years. Because she doesn't deserve to live with the husband she married. He was ignorant, arrogant, didn't know anything close to what he thought he knew. And there's not one way I conducted myself as a newlywed husband that I would even dare consider being today. But I didn't get here the next day. I didn't become a 49-year experienced husband within a week after saying I do. Some of the things that God did in my life that had a major effect upon our marriage didn't even happen till after we'd been married a full 10 years. 10 years! 
You want to see a miracle? I don't know how in the world she stayed with me. God have mercy. I look back at that. There are things, there are ways I treated her that is so humiliating to me. I, I don't want anybody to know it. I'm not proud of it. By, well, I'm the opposite of not proud of it. Only the Lord has helped me to be healed over the way I've treated her and to help her be healed over the way I treated her. Well, didn't she have problems? That's what I finally learned. Her problems weren't my problem. They were God's problem. And he didn't call me to fix them. He just called me to love her, not fix her. Of course, she was wise from day one. She was wise enough to know she couldn't fix me. And I've made some progress in some things that needed fixing, but <laughs> trust me, I'm well aware of things that I'm still falling short on. Praise God. So, Paul says about the Israel, blindness in part has happened to Israel. What does that mean? I've never seen it before till the other day. Blindness in part happened to Israel because almost everybody that was initially a part of the church was a Jew. Not every Jew rejected the new covenant. And Paul, who was the apostle to the Gentiles, if you read the book carefully, most of the time when he went to a new area, the first thing he did, the first place he went to preach was the synagogue. He did not preach to the Gentiles till he gave the Gen Jews the first shot at it. And the ones that believed, they became a part of the new covenant. Those that didn't, there were times he said, okay, you don't want this? That's okay. As a Jew, because you're my kindred, you're my people, I came to you first to give you first chance. But if you don't want this, God has promised. Ooh, okay, okay, all right. Let's do some reading since some of you got a little problem with this. Hallelujah. I'm going to read fast if you don't mind. Praise God. Let's start with verse... Uh... <laughs> Chapter 9, verse 1. I'm going to read fast. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and co continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants 
Notice he didn't say covenant. He said covenants. Old and new. And the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. Whose are the fathers and of whom are as concerning the flesh Christ came. Who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath none, hath taken none effect. It's not that the word of God didn't work at all. It wasn't that God didn't find somebody who wanted this. For they are not all of Israel which are of Israel. What? Listen. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God. Oh, man. You may have your purpose for you being here, but God has his purpose for you being here. And the truly blessed people are those whose purpose for being here matches God's purpose for you being here. For those of you who have a different purpose for being here than God, does it work? It doesn't work. For the children not being yet born, neither having done good or any, any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the elect to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said of her, the elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there an unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I have, will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. You mean God predetermines this? No! You determine it! The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and the spirit and the joints of the marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. Every moment of your life is a test of your faith. And God simply observes how you respond. To what he allows. And those that get angry with him. And all huffy and upset with him. Who don't like the way he runs his business. But those that say you are my father. You are my God. I trust you. I don't understand this. But you don't have to explain it to me. You're the potter. I'm the clay. You're the father. I'm the son. Whatever way you want to do this is okay with me. I'm not talking about you saying that to a preacher. To a church? Are you kidding me? Don't say that to a church or to a preacher. Say that to the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and earth. Oh, let's go here. Verse 16. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. 
For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Wait, wait, wait. You, you mean God made Pharaoh react like that? No. God knew that Pharaoh was so full of pride to have a mere shepherd stand in his court and command him to let God's people go. Pharaoh is never going to listen to that. Even after one plague and two plagues, he didn't listen after three. He didn't listen after four. He didn't listen after five, six, seven, eight, or nine. Finally, when ten came along, he let them go but didn't want to. Because as soon as they left, he changed his mind. And it was his destruction. God didn't do that to him. God spoke and he decided how he was going to respond to it. But the effect of it, God speaks and you decide how you're going to respond to it. And if you respond in a way that's not God, uh, you know, there are those who think that this whole God thing is just the most unfair, horrible thing there is. That's because they are so blind to reality. Because their reality, the bonds of their reality is... Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and Twitter. If it ain't real there, if Google doesn't give you the answer, it can't be real. If the Internet disagrees with it, then it can't be God. That's their world, see. And that thing rises up in them and says, nobody's telling me what to do. Really? So that by that, that means you don't pay your taxes. You don't ever drive below how fast you want to drive. You never pay attention to stop signs and red lights because you don't like them. Oh, isn't that amazing? Man can tell you what to do, just not God. Because there's nobody that lives... In such a way that nobody tells them what to do. That is absolute, total deception. That, your mind has got to be so messed up to even make such a statement. It's like the person that says, there are no absolutes. Really. The statement you just made is an absolute. So is, are there absolutes or are there no absolutes? Because ultimately, man's problem might be with man, but ultimately it's with God. Because man doesn't want God telling him how to do it. When I was a kid, I've always loved airplanes. And I, I, I would get the plastic models and put them together. Well, it's pretty simple. You got two halves of wing, you stick it together. Two halves of the fuselage, you do that. And then you glue the wings on, you put the propeller on, all that. But I got good at it, and so I decided to get a little more complicated one. I got one that the wheels would come down. So I did my normal thing, you see. I just put everything together. 
Because I always put the wheels on last because when you have wheels that won't move, you can stick, you stick them on last. It was a slight problem. If you wanted the, wing, the wheels to come up and down, they had to be put in between the wings before you glued them together. I've had people say to me, aren't you smart enough you don't need the directions? I'm smart enough to read the directions. Because I learned a really inexpensive lesson building a B-25 Mitchell bomber. I learned a lesson that the more complicated life gets, the more you sure better follow the directions of the author, the creator, the designer. Well, can't you figure it out on your own? Why? As frustrating as that is, oh, you can do it occasionally. It only really messes up on very important things. My wife was so intimidated by an iPhone. An iPad. She was so intimidated. And I did everything I could for her, and she'd use it, and but I'd do all that stuff for her. Well, guess what? She found out what she thinks she found out was that it's not as complicated as she thinks. No, no. It's she's smarter than she thinks she is. She's at least as smart as our five year old grandson. Because he can teach you how to do all this stuff. Oh, you elderly folks that are over 40 that are, in, <laughs> that are intimidated by the iPhone. And so when, the new, when a new version of the, of, the, uh, of the software would come out, she was at the point where I was still, I would back up the phone, I'd download the software, I'd get it all working. Well, the last couple of times, she hadn't said a word to me. I'd say, you, you ready to do that? Oh, I've already upgraded the software. Well, here's the difference. I had read a little bit about iOS 11. And while it's supposed to be the greatest advance in software yet by Apple, it's a major change. And I made up my mind, I'm not doing this till I got time to read about how to do it because I don't have the frustration, time for the frustration of learning it by Braille. Now, my dearly beloved here, she's, she's had her iPad upgraded now for a couple of, about probably a month. It wasn't out long. She upgraded hers. And if I hear this once a day, I hear it a couple of times a day. I hate this new software. I hate this new operating system. They messed everything up. Nothing's where it was before. It's all changed. I just smile and keep my mouth shut. <laughs> oh, she'll get it all figured out. But I'm going to read about how to do that stuff before I do it. Why? I don't like frustration to you. And I'm not smarter than the guy that designed it. 
I may be smarter than him in some things, but I, that's not my area of expertise. I don't write code. I don't formulate operating systems. I don't know if I could have. I was never interested in it. I didn't. And some of you precious ones live your life in such frustration because you do everything by Braille, and I don't mean that derogatorily to those that need Braille. I'm talking about you feel your way along blindly with everything. You know, my life now is one one hotel after another. The one thing I absolutely don't understand is why on the plate outside of an elevator, they've got it in Braille. And on the door outside, the plate outside of the doors, the room number and all that's in Braille. Because how does that person, if they're, if they're by themselves, how do they know it's even there? Because not every hotel has that. And how do they know where it is on the wall to find it and use the Braille? That's some of us, you see. We're spiritually blind and we just feel our way along. But you don't have to be. The Bible talks about two conditions. One is where people are blind. The other is where people are sitting in darkness. They're not the same condition. The blind can't even see when there is light. But those in the dark can see. They just choose to live in the dark. Not the same thing, you see. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm trying to. Move along here. Okay. Verse 20. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, what if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured much suffering, he suffered at the hands of the vessels he made, endured with much suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. He came unto his, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Verse 24, even so, even us whom he had called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Listen now, this, this applies to us. Hear it. As he saith, verse 25, as he saith also in O.C., that's Hosea, I, I will call them my people which were not my people, and her beloved which were, which were not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Isaiah, or Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sands of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Why? Because significant part will not recognize, did not, refuse to this day to recognize that the Messiah they were looking for has already come. 
But that's not all Jews. There are Jewish people sitting here. Do you realize you fulfill Romans 9, 10, 11? Oh, Jesus. Here now, verse 28. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. I need to read that in a couple of different translations, if you could, please. Uh, you may or may not have these in the computer, but uh, I will read what's here. Um, just for quickness sake. Um, Weiss Expanded Translation of the New Testament says, For the Lord will execute his word upon the earth, finishing and cut it short. Uh, I, I, let me just, I don't have time for that. I, I'd love to, but I can't. Um, in this verse, the Greek word translated work and then work. Twice the word work is there, both times it's the same Greek word. It is not the Greek word ergon, which is labor. It is the Greek word logos. And what he says is this. He will finish. And the Greek word there is literally, he will finish it completely in its entirety. Nothing left out. He will finish completely the word and cut it short doesn't mean he is going to uh, uh, cut some stuff out. In fact, I will read. I will read the uh, Strong's translation for that. Cut it short. It means to contract by cutting, figuratively, figuratively to do concisely or speedily. It what's being cut is the space of delay that has been there in the past between events. He has spoken. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. It is going to come to pass in its entirety. But it's going to happen really quick. The question tonight is not what God's going to do. The question is what are you going to do? The question is not what you're, what God's going to do. The question is what you're going to do. I was on the phone with Brother Shelton the other day and I said to him, you know, I just have this feeling that something's coming and it's going to change everything. It's just going to turn everything. And that turn is going to divide the body of Christ between those who are in tune and willing to go follow the Lord however he goes, whatever he does, and those who are very comfortable and are only kind of paying attention because their life is so full of themselves. I, I said it's going to change everything. I don't know what it is. And I don't know how long it's going to be, but it's going to be, it's going to be a lot sooner than later. And I told this yesterday in leadership. Brother Sheldon said, oh, that reminds me. 
Brother Barnes, who was a prophet of God, who passed away at 92 a few years ago, he said, the prophet said to me, boy, there's coming a day where all this effort God's made to kind of herd everybody along and move everybody along and just kind of, come on now, come on now, come on now. He said, there's coming a day when he's going to make a sharp right turn. And he's not going to announce the turn. And he's not ever again going to try to get those who aren't in tune and making the turn to get on board. I said, Brother Shelton, that's exactly what I'm feeling. That's exactly what I'm feeling. The day's coming. There's going to be a turn. Because you see, this isn't about building a crowd. This isn't about having a mega church. This isn't about everybody knowing who we are. This is about obeying the word of God. This is about doing the will of the Father. So, I, I, I asked myself, okay, you said to preach the gospel to every creature. Is that even possible? Let me read that real quickly. Uh, Mark sixteen fifteen, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Now, that was 2,000 years ago. Lord, are you even aware there were seven and a half billion people in the world near the end of the church age? Duh. Of course he knew. He's present at every time and fills all space simultaneously. He's not a man. In him we live and move and have our being. Of course he knew. So I'm asking, I've been praying about this for, for months now. Lord, if you commanded us to do this, surely you've got a plan. Surely you've got a way for this to be accomplished. Surely you do. And so in these last few days when the Lord's been talking to me, last couple of weeks actually, I, I, I've been saying, okay, Lord, where in the Bible does it say that this has been accomplished on some scale? <laughs> Don't ask questions you don't want answers to. I'm reading to you from Romans chapter 10 verse 14. This is in the middle of the teaching about the Israel. Chapters 10, 11, and 12. Excuse me, 9, 10, 11. Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Why? For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? They didn't obey because they didn't believe. It was preached to them. By Jesus and the apostles. It was preached to them before the day of Pentecost. But they didn't believe it. 
But listen. Verse 17. So then faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Notice, it didn't say hearing is faith. It says hearing what is preached and believing it will produce faith. Well, what if nobody preaches? Verse 14 again. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And that's talking, not talking about our traditional mess of somebody that's called to the pulpit and everybody else has got to sit and twiddle their thumbs and listen to you. Because the principle is freely you receive, freely give. The principle is Going to all the world, God preached the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Then these signs shall follow them that preach. No, them that believe. And he tells them. And then he says, and they went everywhere and preached. Or they went and preached everywhere. And the Lord went with them and confirmed the word with signs following. Because they obeyed him. They went everywhere. But listen again. Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. But I say. Oh my. Have they not heard? Yes verily. Their sound went. That's past tense. Into all the earth. And their words unto the end of the world. Now I found that. In Psalms 19, where Paul quoted it. Psalms 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth forth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone forth, gone out through all the earth. And their words to the end of the world. In them hath He set a tabernacle for the sun. In other words, the first time the word of God was preached in all the world was preached by the things he made. All this stuff he made by the glory of God. Man preached, preached, the church preached for centuries that the earth was flat. And if you didn't believe the earth was flat, you were a heretic against the church. Except the Bible says, He sitteth upon the circle of the earth. So the church didn't even believe what the Bible says. And if you believe what the Bible says, rather than what the church of that day believed, you were a heretic. Make me a heretic. Because I'm sticking with what the book says, not with what religion says. You make your own choice. Mine was made a long time ago. Two miles down the road, on the seventh, on the, on the fourth deck of the seventh wing, in February of 1965, when I got down by my bunk all by myself in my room, all my classmates were out on liberty. And I got down by my bunk and said, I want truth and nothing but the truth. And either you're a liar because you are a respecter of persons. Because if you're no respecter of persons, here I am 
me in this book and you're going to show me truth from this book for myself. And I spent the next three years, I don't know how I graduated because I only studied what I had to when I had to just to stay in school because I studied the Word of God every possible moment I could. And he was faithful. And I don't care the educational background of any Christian minister. Bring it on. As long as we're, as long as we're talking book. Let's do it. If we're going to talk book, let's talk. You want to talk philosophy? Got no use for it. You want to talk religious tradition and the teachings of the fathers? I got no use for it. So, the first time God preached to all the world was by His own glory in the things He made. And everybody hears that message whether you accept it or you reject it. The absolute deluded people of this day that think something that's as precise as this universe happened coincidentally. I studied a full semester of celestial navigation. And for thousands of years, mariners on an open sea with no landmarks counted on the stars to be in a certain place all the time. And all you have to do is get a sextant out and shoot three stars and go to your books that have been calculated. And then you plot a line on a chart. And the better you are, the, the less of a triangle there is where those three lines cross. Finally, you get good enough, you're down to a point. And that's where you are. And the only reason you can get from point A to point B without before GPS is because the, the universe is that obedient to the Creator. It's not chaos. It's not some random thing that happened. It is not. I'm telling you what right now. I'm sick and tired of people insulting monkeys. Because there's a whole lot of thing that, things that men do that monkeys would never consider doing. And to call us an advancement from monkeys with the way some of us act? How ludicrous is that? Of course, we're well aware that people are popping up all the time that used to be monkeys. That's called salvation. When you get born again, you quit acting like that. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Oh, Brother Wright, you're... Isn't this wonderful that I'm not the one that preaches to you every week? I think that's a good thing because that frees me up.
<laughs> oh, yeah. So, praise God. So, I, Paul says, Paul says, Paul quotes this verse. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their sound went into all the earth and their words into the end of the world. And I'm saying, okay, it doesn't sound like in the context of Romans 10, he's talking about the creation here. It's he's using that verse to apply to New Testament ministry. So I went, okay, let's see if there's any evidence to that. How about Colossians chapter 1? And just for time's sake, I'm going to read verses 5 and 6 instead of all the ones I want to read. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the truth, in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world. The truth of the gospel is come unto you as it is in all the world, he said. And then Colossians chapter uh, uh, 1 and verse uh, uh, 21, I'm read fast. And you that were sometimes alienated, enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If, 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 because there's a colon at the end of verse uh, 22. It's not a period. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature under which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Paul, are you saying that in your lifetime, the church preached the gospel to every creature in the world in that day? By the mouth of two or three witnesses, Romans chapter 10, Colossians chapter 1 verse 6, and Colossians chapter 1 verse 23. Oh, but let's don't stop there. Let's go to Acts chapter 19. I'm reading again quickly in verse 8. This is after the twelve disciples of John at Ephesus got rebaptized because they hadn't been New Testament baptized and they received the Holy Ghost when Paul laid his hands on them. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrrhenius. And this continued for the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks, in two years, without TV, without the Internet, without telephones, without text messages, without email. Without airplanes, without automobiles. Now you either believe what the book says or you don't. What does the book say? Now, let's listen to the enemies of the church, see if they agree. Acts chapter 19, verse 26. 
Moreover, you see in here that not alone Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that there be no gods which are made with hands. So that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. But this Paul has preached about this God, this living God, to all Asia in two years. Oh, how did he do that? When he never left Ephesus. If you read later, you'll find, because he taught those two years in a school at Ephesus, and the people he taught went and preached the gospel. And when the ones he taught went and preached the gospel, all of Asia heard the word in two years. Now, we modern Christians, teaching is boring. So we entertain people with preaching. Except by definition, a disciple is a taught or trained one, which also, according to Webster's Dictionary, the synonym little section on there that I read many years ago, discipleship, become a disciple, also means you have a relationship, a personal relationship with the one whose teachings you're following. Oh, by definition then, you cannot make disciples through preaching. But we like preaching because it's entertaining. Oh, and it has another benefit. It's shorter. If you haven't figured out already, I'm not preaching. I don't even like preaching. I only preach when the boss won't let me do anything else. And I'm not being disrespectful. Because he's in charge. I'm not against preaching. Preaching is important. When it's, when it is focused on those that it's intended for. Because teaching is proclaiming. And what are we supposed to be proclaiming? The gospel. But we perverted it. We preach everything under the sun. We preach giving. We preach miracles. Etc. Do I believe in all that? Absolutely 100%. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is the good news. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can't save people by giving. You can't save people by miracles. They're saved because they hear the gospel and believe it. And that, that faith produces an answering obedience. And then Paul said this. Oh, Lord. Acts 20. I'm reading again quickly. Verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he saith unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, 
after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And since Paul said these things, and Paul commanded us to be imitators of him, even as he is an imitator of Christ, that's what the Greek word says. King James says follower, but the Greek is imitator. Be an imitator of him as he is of Christ. I think this style ministry ought to be what we're doing publicly. And, and, house to house. How else do you think they reached all of Asia on Sundays? You think all of Asia heard the word with the preaching being done on Sundays? Uh, you know what the problem with this is? It is so simple, it's obvious. So if I can't see it, I have to ask myself the question, why can't I see it? Okay. So Matthew 24 and verse 12 says, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. There are three. I've always said two, but it's actually three. Three primary Greek words translated by the English word W-O-R-L-D. One is cosmos, one is eon, and then there's this one that's a little harder to pronounce. It is uh, (laughs) E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-
And, and, and he suddenly decided there is a law of gravity. Well, there had been a law of gravity for thousands of years, but he just got around to acknowledging it. So the gospel was preached to all the world by creation. No man is exempt from that. Every man has experienced it. Whether he acknowledges the truth of that or not, he benefits from it every day. I've got an app that will tell me exactly the moment on any particular spot on earth that the sun will come up 50 years from now if we're still around. And the exact time that it will go down, how in the world is that possible if all of this is a random exercise? Well then, all of the world of the Old Covenant, the Jewish people, had the gospel preached to them for that three and a half years before the covenant changed. God didn't just change the covenant and said, guess what? Here it is. No. He went throughout Israel with a ministry like it had never been seen before. Thousands and thousands of miracles were accomplished. Teaching like they'd never experienced. All for the purpose of not allowing one person in Israel to have an excuse. And Paul said to the king when he was called on the carpet, King, I know you know about this because none of this was done in a corner. Everybody knew about it. Everybody knew. And then finally, the New Testament church, Paul claims that they preached the gospel to every creature in the inhabited world in that time. Okay, let's see. God preached it from the beginning of time to all men by his creative works. He preached it personally to all the Jews before the covenant changed. After the covenant changed, Paul and the people Jesus trained Preach the gospel to the whole world, all of their world. So God has just proven to us that it's possible His way. But not our way. That means if we're going to be obedient to God, we've got to give up our way. And do it His way. Well, what is that way? We're learning. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Not the giant leaps. The steps. And He doesn't have to do anything but show us the next step. He's got no obligation to show us the step after that till we take this step. And then he'll show us this step. And then this step. Why? Because there will never be a day it's not about faith. Because if he told man how to do the whole thing, we'd take it over and do it our way with our own strength. But he's going to do it in a way where we have to trust him every moment of the day or it doesn't work. From a traditional churchianity standpoint, this has not been one of those messages that you could shout over. It's a good thing you did not have probably laid hands on you and cast the devil out. 
because you'd have been out of divine order. I'm kind of smiling. Because I prayed today. I love you. Not like he does. I'm trying to actually get out of the way and let him do the loving through me instead of me trying to love you. But I prayed today that the spoken word would find a lodging place in every heart, mind, soul, spirit, and life, and family in this place. Such a lodging place that you cannot ignore it, you cannot deny it, you cannot avoid it, that at some point here in the next little while, you're going to say to Jesus, I give up. You're God, I'm not. I give myself to you. I just want to be a part of you and a part of what you're doing. Jesus' name. Because here is the guarantee. This is the guarantee. These are the last verses I will read to my knowledge. It's the last ones I've got written down. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. So I won't be reading any other scriptures. I'll be quoting them, okay? You say what you mean, you mean what you say. It's not my fault if you didn't listen to what I said, right? So I just kind of gave you an insight into how I talk. Okay. Matthew nine thirty-six. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest is, not hopefully will be, not I want it to be, not if I can get somebody to help me it will be. The harvest is an accomplished fact in God. The harvest truly is plenteous. The problem isn't the harvest. The harvest is the lack of laborers. And so he prayed this, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that, that he will get laborers to go out and bring people in. Surely it says that. That's what we do. That's what we preach. That's what we practice, isn't it? Isn't that what churches are trying to do? Go out and get people to come in? And Now, either Jesus really messed it up here, or we need to read what he says and understand he means what he says and says what he meant. Pray. Get this. This is what really cracks me up about this. I don't mean that sacrilegiously or disrespectfully to him at all. He is amazing. I just marvel at how he does stuff. He is so much smarter than us. It is ridiculous. It, it, you can't even compare a human being with him. He is, he, the, the scripture said, here comes the first quote. The scripture says that God has determined that by the wisdom of God, he has determined that the world by wisdom does, cannot know God. In other words, God has made up his mind that finding him is not going to be dependent on how smart you are. That would make him a, des- a respecter of persons. Because then the, the wise, the intelligent, 
would be the ones who find God and the ones who aren't wouldn't. But God has determined that the in the wisdom of God that the world by wisdom will not find God. And he shows them the weak things of the world and the things that are despised and the lowly things of the world to bring to naught the things that are. Why? So he gets all the glory. So he says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And I, I like to see the expressions on people's faces when I share this next little tidbit. And some of you have heard this many times. But I still like to do it. The Greek word translated send forth there is almost always used in regards to casting out devil. It is the Greek word ekbalo. Balo is where we get the word ball, and it's something you throw or cast. Ekbalo means to eject by authority, regardless of what it takes to do so. So you eject devils from lives that they're trying to hinder. But you pray for the people of God those that have freely received, that are not going into the harvest field, that are not freely given to others. We want to come in here and sing a few songs and clap a little bit and listen to a preacher and endure unto the end as long as our end can take it and claim we have obeyed the Scripture somehow. When He commanded us to pray, eject that His laborers would be ejected out of their place of comfort and complacency and delusion in religious tradition into his harvest field. Because the harvest is plenteous. Promise the laborers. Now, you don't have to pray that way. It's okay. Because I pray it. I don't pray it nice either. Because you see right now, you take this any way you won't take it. All those people that have never heard one true gospel message in their life shouldn't have to wait on people that hear gospel preaching over and over and over and over and over and over again and are too busy with the temporal world they could care less what the eternal destination of those people is. Brother Wright, that's not, that's not being very kind. Really? If you were the one lost and they were in here and they felt like some of you feel, would you think that's kind? Because this service is about over with. But hell isn't. And never will be. Brother Wright, you don't know what all I'm going through right now. Yes. And I, I don't mean this... As facetious as it sounds, it's just my limited vocabulary. But good luck with standing before your Savior and telling Him why your life is so difficult that you don't have time for the lost. Good luck. Oh, there is no luck because you have no chance of trying to excuse yourself 
before the King of kings and Lord of lords because your life is so difficult. That's why you couldn't be involved with what put nail prints in his hands and nail scars in his feet and a scar in his side and a back that looked like it was a plowed field and a face that was rearranged by being beat on for over an hour by soldiers. And we, our lives are too complicated and difficult to have time for people that are going to go to hell forever. I'm sorry. You can call me whatever name you want to. You can say I'm unkind. I don't care what you say. It doesn't make any difference. What I've been is kind to you tonight. Because this is not how I really feel. And God have mercy on you if I'm ever released to tell you how I really feel. Because the bottom line is this. I'm just a couple of months short of being 72. And everything that was ever dear to me, that was ever important to me in this natural world, he expected me to lay it down. And at a time when everybody else is retiring and kicking back, or the, the ones that can are, not only am I not allowed to live like that, but i got to be gone all the time. And if you think that's what I want to do in the flesh, God have mercy on you. Travel is only glamorous to those that don't do it. It gets old really, really quick. I've slept in almost 30 different beds this year in hotel rooms. Tried to rest on over 30 different pillows. Oh, poor me. Yeah, I know poor me. I'm not, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. Because it's such a small price to pay to be allowed to be a part of the fulfillment of His plan in the earth. And you hear me, by the grace of God, when He makes that turn, I'm going to be right on His heels. I am determined. When He turns this thing, when it changes... I'm going to be right on his heels. And whatever that costs me, it's just going to cost me. Because hear me right now. There's not enough left breaths left for any of our lives. For it to be worth saving those breaths for ourselves. And let all those people go to hell. Preacher, I just, I just can't believe in this heaven and hell stuff. Well, then you know what? We're all a bunch of fools for wasting our Saturday and Sunday night here. Because I'm here to tell you something right now. That cross says man needed saving. That cross says man can't save himself. That's what that cross says. Man can't save himself through religion. Man can't save himself through good deeds. Man can only save himself through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed so that our sins could be forgiven. And he asked nothing of us but us. That's all he asked. The problem with that is I don't know what to do with all he gives back. I don't have room for it all in here. I don't have room for all in here. 
I don't have room for it all anywhere in my life. He, he gives to such an abundance. And I'm not talking about things. I'm talking about the things of God. He gives those in such an abundance. Righteousness and peace and joy. And His love. <laughs> oh, my, 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 my. And in this life, the only thing that tops what He gives me, what He does for me, because by His grace I've given Him all of me, the only thing that tops that are those moments when I have the privilege of simply being His mouth where He speaks to a soul and you see their eyes light up with understanding that there's hope and that there's purpose in life and that somebody really does love them that my friend is the only thing that is greater than everything he has given to me that's it father I have obeyed you by your grace alone. I don't claim the credit for having obeyed you tonight. I have not left out one word you wanted said. I have not added one of my words to it. Again, by only your grace. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. That our eyes might be the eyes of our understanding might be opened and that we might understand that the messenger is not God but the message is from you God let us hear your words this night and let us believe your words and let us respond to your words no matter how radical it may seem your words would require our lives to change because you want what's best for us not for the way we're wasting ourselves and our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want you, if you need to leave, you're welcome to leave. God bless you. Some of them have already left. That's fine. But without any looking around, this is just between you and the Lord right where you are. You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to pray loud enough for anybody to hear what you're saying. But in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you hear me right now. This is a word from God, and it's going to come to pass a whole lot sooner than later. I beg of you, for your sake, not for this church, not for me. Right now, I am scheduled to preach five times to you next year. Five. And only God knows if I'll get to do that. This isn't about me. This isn't about you coming and sitting for me to preach to you every week. This is about you fully participating in what the Lord Jesus Christ has established before the foundation of the world. Will you fulfill His will for you? Will you fulfill His purpose for you? Or will you just fuss with circumstances? My husband, my wife, my kids, my parents, my job, my, 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 
That's the problem. Because if you save your life, you're going to lose it. But he said, if you lose your life for his sake, you will find it. He came to give life and life more abundantly. What's your choice? Father, let this word be like a fire shut up in these bones. Let us find no relief from it, no release from it. Let your word talk to us in the night and in the day. Let us not be able to escape your your word until we flat out tell you, I refuse to believe, I will not give myself to you. Lord, until somebody actually tells you to stop talking because they don't want to hear it anymore, in Jesus' name, let the word talk to them. Let the angels of God visit them. Let the Spirit of the Lord come to them in the day and the night so that this body will be prepared to be a part of what you're going to do in the earth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. I've spoken tonight, and my servant is true. Do not be afraid, but be prepared, for the day is at hand. I shall make moves in this land that will be unprecedented. I am ready. Be prepared. Jesus' name. This is not disrespectful of what God has just said. This is what needs to be said because of what God just said. This week will be a week of preparation. It will be like no other call to war prayer seminar we've ever had. The first five were just training and preparation and just how to pray and what our authority is. And last year we prayed and used that authority. But this year we are equipping. It is a time of equipping. I know some of you have schedules you just can't get out of. I understand that. But if there's anything you can do to be here for the teaching Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 10 a.m., I don't know when it's going to stop. That's when it's starting. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday will be primarily directed prayer with very little teaching and instruction only that which is necessary for everyone to be able to participate especially those that were not in the teaching session there is a specific road map he has laid out for this week those who participate fully now or in the nearest future you can in watching and whatever 
you're going to be prepared. I couldn't have picked a better word. I didn't pick the word. That's exactly what this week of call to war, spiritual warfare, prayer seminar is about. It's about being prepared. Being prepared. I'm going to be teaching some things that I've taught before, but I'm going to be teaching them from a new perspective I have never taught before. And I'm going to be teaching some things that I've never taught before. And you should know this by now, but if you don't, we'll be praying at 10, and as soon as the Lord releases me, I'll be teaching each day. We will be praying at 7, officially praying. Hopefully people will come in and pray rather than fellowship before then. And as soon as I am released to do so after 7, I will be ministering. So if you're planning on it being a church service, and showing up 45 minutes after the start time, you're going to miss all of that. And you're probably going to come in on prayer that you don't even know what we're praying and why we're praying. If that's the best you can do, get here. The Lord will help you to catch up somehow. But this week, this is a very critical week. In fact, the Lord told me today as I was waiting on Him for this message that tonight was going to be the actual kickoff the preparation because you're the ones that needed to hear it first God bless you thank you for your patience with me thank you for your patience with this word thank you shake hands be friendly and prove that you really didn't need to get out of here by standing around and fellowshipping for the next hour <laughs> Hallelujah. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name.